Twenty years ago, residents of Moscow awakened to the sound of tanks in the streets. There has been astonishing news from the Soviet Union overnight. President Gorbachev has been removed from power. His hardline opponents appear to be in power. Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev had been on vacation in the Crimea. He was put under house arrest by members of his own government. Mark the date well. August 19, 1991. Historians are likely to be analyzing the events of this day for generations to come. It was a story with heroes and villains, victims and survivors, and an outcome that practically nobody saw coming. Bridget McCarthy reports on the failed coup that accelerated the collapse of the Soviet Union. Just about everyone in the former Soviet Union remembers where they were on August 19, 1991. Andrei Grachev was Gorbachev's press secretary and foreign policy advisor at the time. He was at his summer home outside of Moscow. My mother called me at 6 o'clock in the morning on the 19th. Gorbachev is gravely ill, she said, or he's been arrested. No one knows for sure. So Gorbachev switched on his radio. Mikhail Sergeyevich Gorbachev is sick and unable to perform his duties as president of the USSR, the announcer said. An emergency committee, led by former Vice President Gennady Yanayev and the heads of the KGB, the Soviet military and interior ministry, is now in charge. My first psychological rather than political reaction was to say to myself, so finally it happened. By which Grachev means their luck had run out. In just five years since Gorbachev had come to power, he and his team had done the unthinkable again and again, lifted Soviet censorship, abolished the Communist Party's monopoly on power, introduced multi-candidate elections, helped end the Cold War. Political analyst Masha Lipman of the Carnegie Endowment in Moscow says it was a time like no other in the Soviet Union. It was historical, it was revolutionary, it was exhilarating for many people, actually. Well, not for everybody. On August 20th, Gorbachev was about to take another historic step by signing a new union treaty that would give more autonomy to the 15 Soviet republics that comprised the USSR. This was too much for hardliners in the Kremlin. On August 18th, a group of Soviet ministers paid a surprise visit to Gorbachev's vacation home on the Black Sea coast. They severed the phone lines and held him captive for three days. It came as a great shock to the embassy. Nobody had expected it. James Collins was the chargé d'affaires at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, and in effect, the acting U.S. ambassador. My reaction is one that I don't think I can probably say on the radio, but it was obviously not something that someone in a position of a chargé expects to have to deal with. Later that morning, the coup leaders held a press conference. Soviet citizens turned on their televisions to see six gray-faced men side by side at a long conference table. The press conference didn't go very well. Political analyst Masha Lipman. They didn't know what they were doing. They were a bunch of people with shaking hands. Literally shaking. And then a pretty young reporter in a green checkered dress raised her hand. And she asked them, are you aware of the fact that you have just committed a state coup? And which made her historical. Uh, she was 18. She was a kid. And she was the one who said the word. They did not say we've just committed a coup. They said the secretary general is sick and they pretended it was, you know, business as usual. 
while sending tanks and soldiers into the capital to surround key government buildings, including Russia's parliament, the White House. Masha Lippmann was working for the Washington Post as a translator and researcher back in 1991. On the morning of the coup, she grabbed her notebook and ran downtown. She was stunned by the scene unfolding in front of her, tens of thousands of citizens streaming into the streets to protest the overthrow of Gorbachev. We were standing in the square in front of the White House, and I saw a crowd moving toward the White House. And many people who had been in the square at the time, mostly reporters, had tears in their eyes. These were people who organized themselves, who in a unique circumstance in Russian history, realized that they can make a difference. And they were coming and they thronged. The protesters erected barricades and formed a human chain around the White House. Boris Kapustin spent two days camped out in front of the White House. And I would say that the army, uh, even the elite forces of the army, they were absolutely peaceful. I mean, you cannot imagine the spirit of this event. I mean, it was like a carnival. I mean, I saw girls exchanging flowers with those guys, I mean, sitting on tanks and exchanging ice creams and whatever. I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely unforgettable. Then Boris Yeltsin, the newly elected president of the Russian Republic, climbed on top of a tank and gave his famous speech denouncing the coup. Yeltsin supplied the coup with its most iconic image and became the leader of the resistance. One of the great mysteries is why the coup organizers didn't arrest Yeltsin. It would prove to be their most costly mistake. Yeltsin was a former Communist Party boss and Gorbachev protege until the two men had a falling out. Andrei Grachev says the coup leader sent an envoy to meet with Yeltsin on the night of August 18th. They intended to ask him, are you with us or against us? They thought that the personal rivalry between Yeltsin and Gorbachev would push Yeltsin to join them in order to get rid of Gorbachev. And if he stood up to them, they'd arrest him. There was already a place which was determined where he had to be taken by a KGB unit. Grachev says the coup organizers had contacted all the other leaders of the Soviet republics ahead of time, too. None put up any resistance. Ruslan Hasbulatov, who was the speaker of the Russian parliament in 1991 and a Yeltsin ally back then, confirms this. Even the Baltic politicians, who were constantly and very adamantly campaigning for autonomy, even they all fell silent. Not a single sound of dissent from them. Not one. They all behaved like rabbits. Scared rabbits. So what happened when the coup plotters tried to meet with Yeltsin on the night of August 18th? Things all went wrong. Former Gorbachev advisor Andrei Grachev chooses his next words carefully. The initial uh, discussion with Yeltsin couldn't take place because he arrived in his plane uh, from a visit in uh, Kazakhstan in a state that made it impossible to negotiate the options with him. They couldn't wake him up or perhaps sober him up. So his decision had to be postponed. And uh, maybe these several hours played a crucial and probably a historic role because uh, next morning when he uh, was back to his uh, shape and, and capacities, he was already surrounded by his team of political advisors who already realized uh, what was the danger for them. 
and uh, this kind of danger was making them, as quite often, brave and, and resolute and determined. Unprepared for resistance, the coup collapsed within 72 hours. Tanks in Moscow move in a new direction. Reverse, as word comes that the organizers of the Soviet coup have abandoned their posts. Gorbachev returned from captivity a broken man. He gave a brief perfunctory speech at the Moscow airport on the night of August 22nd. Самое главное, все, что мы сделали после 85 года. And then, instead of addressing his cheering supporters gathered at the White House, Gorbachev went straight home. This is our live coverage of the coup that collapsed and the return to power of Gorbachev. Question mark, will there be a struggle for power between Gorbachev and Yeltsin? The coup is over. The crisis inside the Soviet Union is not. In their attempt to head off reforms and preserve their own power, Communist Party hardliners helped precipitate the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Within four months, the USSR ceased to exist. In its place, 15 newly independent countries, with Russia and Boris Yeltsin at the center. For The World, I'm Bridget McCarthy. We have historical video from the failed coup, including the one of that teenage girl questioning coup leaders. It's at theworld.org.